this week on the Back Table Podcast. It's pretty amazing when you see like a hypotensive crashing leader and boom, you embolize and literally by the time they're getting out of the room, they're just, they're so, they've been stabilized. You know, it's, there's something great about that. It's so, it's funny because we, you know, we'll get the coils. You see the active bleed, you put the coils in and you occlude it. And you've, I'm sure you've seen it where it's just the tachy, the tachycardia stops and it's like almost instant. It's so, it's like, it's deceiving how, how yeah. quickly it, it is. Yeah, it's pretty addictive. Everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things endovascular and more. You can find all previous episodes on any platform or our website, backtable.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and keep up with the latest updates and give us feedback through comments. Today's Backtable Podcast is sponsored by Boston Scientific Interventional Oncology and Embolization Division. Boston Scientific is an international provider of medical devices for the interventional radiologist. Boston Scientific's goal is to become interventional radiology's leading partner by enabling and developing minimally invasive procedures for the detection, diagnosis, treatment, and palliation of cancer and other non-cancer diseases. Boston Scientific has recently launched the TrueSelect 2 French microcatheter. This selective microcatheter is specifically designed to access small and tortuous peripheral vasculature to deliver all O18 coils, embolics up to 700 microns, and Y90 products, including Therosphere. It also has the first ever 175 centimeter length microcatheter, which is ideal for radial access. Visit bostonscientific.com or contact your local sales representative for more information on the TrueSelect microcatheter and to learn what it can do for you. I'm Sabine Dond in IR in LA, and I'd like to welcome back another interventional radiologist, Dr. Don Garbett from Radiology Associates in Eugene, Oregon. Welcome back, Don. Thanks, Sabine. Thanks for inviting me to chat with you. Of course. I, you know, I really enjoyed your prior episode on, on acute limb ischemia. Um, it's episode 118 for our listeners to know. But, um, you know, I, I not only did I know learned some tips, but I saw a lot of similarities between both our practices, especially how we handle vascular. We're going to switch gears and talk about something way more bread and butter. I mean, it's pretty much any hospital-based IR practice, you know, provides services for GI bleeds. And so like anything IR, there's a million ways to skin a cat. So I want to know, and I want to compare, you know, how our practices both handle this. So yeah, I mean, like how in your practice, you know, how do you approach or work up a GI bleed? Yeah. You know, we, I think we do a lot of GI bleed. I think most people in our field do at this yeah. point. I think, I think, you know, our approach is, and I think it's developed over the years. Like, you know, in training, we were sort of, and I came out of training in 2015. It was sort of changing. Yeah. You know, we used to just bring everybody to Angio and then check every artery, you know, shoot all three, <laughs> SMA, IMA celiac. Um, these days mm -hmm. we just tend to get a GI bleed CTA for most patients. Uh -huh. And that's whether they're inpatient, you know, uh, on a regular floor or if they're ICU or if they're, have just been scoped, we'll still, you know, we'll still generally get the CTA just so we, we have a roadmap. Um, and we'll do the, not the regular CTA, we'll do the, you know, non-con CTA venous delay triple phase, the, the little triple phase to, to see the bleed, right? Yeah. And we taught our techs, we taught our CT techs that if it says GI bleed and it's an inpatient, just that's what you're doing. They, 
So if, if the hospitalist ends up ordering it, it, it already gets changed. Okay. Which is nice. Okay. I like that. You know, the, the fact I, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of stuff people talking about doing CTAs, really not even taking to angio unless you get a CTA. So would you say, are you guys pretty hard and fast? I mean, like, would, would you always get the CTA or, or would you go to angio directly on these patients? I'd say it's rare to bypass, but we still do. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the default is to get the CTA and, and we'll, someone calls and says, you know, that hemoglobin has dropped. There was some, uh, bright red blood a few hours ago. Yep. We're getting a CTA, but I've definitely got ICU calls at like midnight and where they haven't had any imaging <laughs> and they'll just say it is profusely. We have a profuse bleed. We're crashing. And I'll just, I'll just say, send them down and I'll be there as, you know, I can get there in eight minutes in the middle of the night. So nice. we'll go fast that's a, and I'll just, that's go. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. You live, so they, you live that close to, to work, huh? Well, Eugene's small, no traffic. I <laughs> at driving at uh, nighttime speed, I can get there pretty fast. <laughs> Faster than they can even bring down the patient. Yeah. The techs aren't even there yet. Like I'm open in the pack. That's awesome. So, you know, okay, even before CTA, what are you, you know, it, it's funny because I think there's been a shift of, of workups on GI bleeds. I mean, are, are GI docs always, I mean, back in when, when we were training, we basically graduated, we, we finished the same year. So we're, we're totally the same year. I remember in, in training and be like, GI has to scope the patient. Is that happening a hundred percent of the time in your, in your practice now? I think it is a lot. I think it is probably 90% mm -hmm. of the time because almost yeah. every patient we get called on the GI scope, they can't find it or they found it and can't get to it. It's one of those, but we sometimes get this, uh, we you know, like if it's a lower GI bright red blood per rectum, sometimes our GIs, and maybe this is just my practice in my hospital, they'll be like, there's too much, there's going to be too much blood in the colon. Like we're not even going to take them. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that might be time of day dependent, but you know what? I, I basically just say F it, like, fine, I'll just take it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that, that's something that happens in your, in, in Eugene. That's interesting. So Sabine, remind me, are you at a university? I don't remember. Or are you? No, I'm at a private practice. Okay. My hospital, you know, it's, it's, um, we have like three hospitals, but it's, it's a community, you know, um, private practice. Okay. So we're, it's similar. Yeah. I think yeah. It, it may just be the GI situation. They, Maybe they're just overconfident, or I shouldn't say overconfident. Maybe they're just very confident. <laughs> they will go in. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's I, great. That's like, I've walked in to consent, and they're in there scoping already. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, that that's great. And and I, and I, you know, I wonder, do when they do scope, how often do they find, like, in a lower GI bleed that's profusely bleeding, do, do they give you that, then that final answer as far as, like, oh, there's too much blood? Or do they find it a lot? No, we'll hear that. We'll definitely hear that. Yeah. I feel like they still, you know, we don't, I don't know their percentages, you know, their success rates, but yeah. they, they still seem to do it. So I wonder. Yeah. But they're, we, I mean, they're high level. They, they're all doing ERCP. Some of them do like really advanced ERCP. That's awesome. So I think they're just That's coming awesome. from, I feel like we're on the same page. Like we're, I feel like we're doing really advanced stuff and I feel like they are too. That's great. So we're all yeah battling for who's. Yeah. Who's got the best skills? <laughs> I think, you know, GI, you know, GI and I are work so, so close together. I think we, we have a very different group between our three our hospitals. 
we have some that are really good and some that are on the other side. You know, having a really good relationship with any IR practice. I mean, you know, you talked about building a PA, a, a IR practice in rural. I mean, having a GI group is really vital, I think, to doing these bread and butter procedures. So, okay, we, we talked about getting a CTA. You get it most of the time, us too. Now, now there's, there's a school of thought that if the CTA is negative, you do not take to angio. Is that what you do or do you go to angio still? Well, yeah. Well, in general, not go to angio if it's negative. There's very few exceptions. You know, if, if yeah. the scope was negative, or sorry, if the CT was negative, but GI has really identified an abnormal area, we'll, then in that case, we'll still take them and maybe empiric, you know, empirically take something. And yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like if they find, you know, some sort of lesion, but you don't, it's not necessarily seen on CTA, would you just empirically embolize where, where you like, like give an example of what you would empirically embolize? Yeah, I think we see a lot of duodenal ulcers. So that GDA embo, right? That GDA sweep kind of embo. Yeah. yeah those are kind of fun. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, you're going to go, I think those are the ones I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. You have that duodenal. They're like, there's ulcers that are bleeding slowly. Like, okay, I'm just going to go and embolize the gastropopoic and GDA. Yeah. Right? And it's, you know, you're in and done and you're not hunting. You just go. Yeah. I mean, so why don't we talk about technique? I mean, you, you did. So say the, you're taking them to angio. You talked about shooting the celiac, SMA, IMA. Generally, you're going transfemoral. Do you do any transradial now? So that's, oh, I didn't think we'd talk about that so i've i do so much radial now that it's almost easier for me yeah and and then especially if any of them if they're you know i guess not aspirin we don't worry about that but if they're on you know in coagulants what they could be they're usually off by then because they're bleeding but if yeah usually yeah. it's stopped if oh, they're even <laughs> like a bit heavy where i don't want to deal with the groin i'll just go radial and my techs already know everything i have like a a list they just open up the list it's great. It's great to have that, right? I mean, in our practice too, we go radial for a lot of things. GI bleeds is kind of, um, I would still say majority is femoral in our group, but we have been doing more transradial, especially that, you know, we have longer microcatheters. I mean, we got the, you know, you got, you know, from femoral, I usually, usually use like a 130 length uh, microcatheter just in case I got to go distal in the SMA. From from radial, are you get are you using like the the super long like the true selects the the one seventy five? I'll have it ready. If if they're tall, I'll just go straight true select, and they got the burn nice. shape on that yeah. too, which is nice. Yeah, you so you like the shaped microcatheters and stuff. We we generally we we like pretty much just use straight and and curve our wire. But do you like the curve the curved shapes? I did. You know, I I didn't care for them initially, and now I've noticed, and maybe I saw somebody do it, but. You can just put that little three cc syringe on the back, and I can almost just drive those. That's awesome. Yeah, without yeah. the wire, sometimes uh, I gotta try to see another little tick, tip and trick. I love this stuff. So you just drive it. That's I think what the direction was meant to be, right? They were they kind of designed it to to be a kind of a microcatheter without a wire. Yeah, and, and using co so are you coiling generally for these? If you see a positive bleed, any other kind of embolic that you're using? You know, I did use glue years ago i think it's just so easy to do the coils now um that i've i've veered away from it yeah I, I did used to do it before but i think i'll mostly i'll grab depending where it is i'll grab um a, a detachable and then i'll shove a few cook coils behind it just i hate when they don't occlude immediately yeah 
it's so true, right? You know, I, especially, you know, sometimes the, the rubies, because they don't have any fibers, sometimes it doesn't occlude immediately, yeah. right? So you're like injecting and you're selectively injecting. And you still see it. You're like, is this going to yeah. eventually block off or what? And you just throw some kind of fibered coil, whether, you know, the, the quick ones are nice, but I, I've been loving detachables. I'm not going to lie. It, it's just, it's so much more control. Oh, especially for <laughs> that expensive. first coil. It is expensive. Well, that's why I'll, I'll put the cook behind him. Have you had any issues using, you know, if you're using a lantern, uh -huh. which is a little bit bigger of a catheter, you have any issues pushing a, a pushable? Are using a typical O and A coil, like I don't know, interlock or any other ones. Um, I've done. I'll, I'll mostly use the detachables and then the pushables. Yeah, the pushables. I'll just inject them. Oh yeah, yeah. There's nothing better than just I like love it. pushing them in. <laughs> <laughs> and then why? Why'd you move away from from liquid? Why'd you move away from glue? Yeah, why did I move away? I guess it's just you know you, you get a. I'm scrubbed in, and then I've got to like tell the yeah. tech what to do and. We get a, I get a lot of new techs. Like there's a lot of turnover and interesting. Okay. I'd have to be training all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's peculiar, right? You have to get everything kind of, you know, D5 and, and all of this, keep everything clean. And whereas you can just get a coil really quickly. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I think if yeah. I had, you know, steady techs, you know, we do neuro too. And if, if the techs were always, if I always had the neuro tech, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know. Let's do it. But it's easy. You know, <laughs> yeah. the coils are easy enough with the uh, detachables that it's, I don't worry so much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what about, have you ever used like Onyx or anything like that? We, we've been trying Lava, you know, in, in our trial, which is basically Onyx. But have you, have you tried Onyx? Um, I haven't. In, the, in these kinds of, in, 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 uh, in GI bleeds. I haven't for GI bleeds. I've, I've vascular yeah. mouths, but I haven't used it for GI bleeds. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, again, you you bring up the same a good point though. I mean, it takes this training, yeah. you know. I mean, gonna mix it, draw it, and all that, and it's a lot damn easier to just throw in a coil <laughs> and be done. Yeah, like open, <laughs> especially at night. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, lava. I'm is that another company? I'm not familiar with it. What is that? Lava is basically onyx for peripheral oh. uh, and they're 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 um it's very similar uh to onyx and they're they're trialing it basically as a as a peripherally indicated liquid embolic but it's basically onyx so they're going undergoing trials right now you know speaking of, of embolizing then you ever use particles what about particles uh is there a case i'm trying to think of a situation in gi bleed i personally don't i don't think so um you know Sometimes I've used a little gel foam again to get a little occlusion, you know. I'll do that too. Because I just, you know, like a little sandwich, a little gel foam, especially on the GDA thing. Yeah. But um, I haven't used particles, although I, I've seen some talk about it, but I, I personally have. Yeah, I've done the gel foam thing, but I haven't done particles and jab bleed. So coils, pretty much your, your, your go-to, your transradial, your, your coiling, usually through a microcatheter. Are you going, so on a negative, you know, you've shot your celiac SMA and IMA, it's negative so far. Are you then selecting out branches? Or are you just staying in, the, in, in those three? That's a good one. Or it depends on your mood. It, it can. <laughs> um, well, you know, hopefully they have some clips somewhere from before. And then you might think, oh, maybe they rebled at some old spot. Um, so then I might okay. coil something like that. But I will go select stuff. Yeah. I'll generally 
I see nothing. And I shot the main vessels. I'll go shoot the GDA and I'll bring it down deep and shoot. And then I'll go to back to SMA and I'll pick Uh one or two branches going off to the right usually. Okay. Like iliocolic and middle or something. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll probably subselect three or four vessels total. Okay. I, I know. I remember in training, like you shot three vessels, negative done. I, I just, if it's, it's coming back late. to me the next day, you know, I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to get it. We're trying to get it done. Yeah, exactly. You're just trying to get it. Is there any tricks? I mean, oh. some people, I one time, mm-hmm. I one time read, I think it was on the SIR forum that some people are using CO2. Oh, I don't, I don't personally. I haven't. Um, and then some people are either like doing a lot of saline flushes or diluting their contrast a bit because they say that the contrast is too thick and might be as if it's thinner, it'll, you'll, you'll be more sensitive to GI bleeds. Have you heard of any of that or do any of that? That's interesting. I don't, I think our contrast, you know, if we're doing power injections, it's already diluted 60. Oh, you do say, okay. But so I don't dilute more. Yeah. But I wonder what, I don't know the dilutions. What are people, do you know how much they're doing? I don't know. I just remember, I just can't, I just remember reading it one time and I thought that was interesting. That is. We do a hundred percent on ours. You know, for peripheral angios, we'll dilute ours, mm-hmm. but you, you don't, you don't find that it, it decreases like your visual, like on a, on a big person. If you're diluted, are you seeing all the vessels pretty good? I'll, that's my worry. I'll turn up the juice on the fluoro as soon yeah. as I can't see a catheter. You know, if the catheter is like see-through, we're turning the juice up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's usually not an issue. We have a brand new, I mean, our, our uh, angio suite is one year old, you know, oh, for the real? fanciest Phillips. Nice. So we can see pretty well. Oh, nice. Uh, that that's good. That's good. We're we're working with like it in our main lab. We have like two Siemens labs, but they're like ten, you know, fifteen years old. So that they need to they need an upgrade. They need an upgrade. The see the new Siemens ones are really great. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, we're we're looking into those. Look real nice. You know, we went from a fourteen year old uh, <laughs> suite that I couldn't see anything, triple mag all the way. Fluoro rate at max, you know, one gray per minute. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like life changing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so different. What about it's something that our group has worked a lot on? You know, I kind of picked up this technique from training is provocative angiograms. Yeah. Are I, you, I was yeah. thinking you're going to ask that. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. You know, do you, are you doing them by the way? And then, uh, what type of patients are you taking? Yeah. It's, I think it's certainly not a normal in our practice. Uh So we don't have a protocol or anything written up. And then I'd say it's pretty rare. So that's step two. It's pretty rare that we get one that's negative. But in that case, in that case, I'll do the hunt. And then I will, because we keep four TPA in the, in the fridge, in the room. I'll just, I will get that. And I know people are doing like big infusions. I've heard this. I'll just, I'll inject four TPA in the SMA and then reshoot a big, reshoot you know, a big SMA. one. Yeah. But I haven't done anything more than that. Yeah. The, uh, that's right. You, because I like the way how you guys have organized your workup. Basically, if the CTA is negative, you're generally not doing an angio, right? Our practice is kind of mixed. You know, if we're, if it's, and, and, it, and it might be time of day dependent. All right. If it's like 4.30 PM, you know, do, you know, and the CT is kind of backed up. It's like, all right, just bring them in quick. Well, boom, you know, so we actually have a little bit high, 
more than I like of a negative angio rate. Uh, and, uh, you know, it'll be frequently we'll take them, um, but we also take negative CTAs to angio and every once in a while they're positive. So, you know, we haven't come up with a really hard and fast rule in our group. Everyone's a little different. So yeah, we, we've had these like kind of negatives that we do provocatives on quite often. And, and it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah, you, you've seen it work, right? Yeah. In the in the form, even just with four milligrams of TPA, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Have. So you know, and so it's and it's pretty well controlled. I think people were really kind of scared about it before, and you know, like, oh my God, you're, you're injecting TPA in a bleeder. Like, it sounds like cowboyish as a as an IR is, right? But we've liked the results that we've gotten so far. And yeah, we're, we're kind of one of the crazy ones who'll do big infusions, like 50 million. Uh, 50? Is that what you do? Yeah. Holy cow. That's our, that's our upper limit. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, we'll, we'll get some people. It'll be like, you know, a year or two of just these intermittent bleeds and they've been getting chronic transfusions. No one can find it and yada, yada, yada. So, so we'll do those and, and, you know, in, in a good half of them, we'll, we'll find something. Oh, that's really interesting. So. Yeah. And what do you, so, so, you know, something, how do you, how do you mm -hmm. do it? Are you just parking a catheter in the SMA or what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's either SMA or IMA majority of the time, you know, if, um, if it's, uh, sometimes it'll be a left colon bleed. So, so then we'll do the IMA and yeah, we're just parking there. And then every, you know, five minutes we're injecting another five milligrams of TPA. We'll, we'll give some heparin and, and nitro, um, as well. And yeah, we're just, it takes a lot of contrast. And we'll, we'll do them with anesthesia. And do, do you do, how's anesthesia availability in Eugene? So it varies. You know, we have, we do stroke and they automatically come for that. Right. So they, they're okay. part of that. Um, so your stroke, you guys are doing all strokes with, with GA or with anesthesia. With anesthesia, not always GA. Yeah. The, That's good. But it's not a automatic for GI bleed. And yeah, we're, we're I think trying most, to get them in fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't want any slowdowns and stuff too. So agree. Agree. I mean, ours are mostly constant sedation. Are, are you, sometimes one trick I do too, I've totally forgot. Sometimes I use glucagon. Have you ever tried that? Oh, to, oh to, that's a great idea. You can, yeah, you can stop. It literally stops small bowel, like the, the peristalsis, like it, it just, but it, it only lasts for like three minutes. Yeah. I guess <laughs> but, if you had a you know, crazy bowel moving all over, it'd be great. Yeah. Sometimes, I don't know. Some of our patients are real gassy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so or if they had, had a recent scope, uh, you know, they're going to be all insufflated. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, we just use like one milligram. Try it, try it out. It's pretty cool. It works, but again, pretty, it, it works for like three minutes and then it goes away. And I don't know the upper limit, but I haven't done more than two milligrams of IV glucagon. That's, I'll you know? definitely try that next time I have that, you know, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Can he? Any other kind of words of wisdom on GI bleeds that you've kind of learned? I mean, again, it's, it's a bread and butter procedure, but you ask all these people, I mean, the way how your practice deals with it is different than how our practice. I mean, I feel like we just, we lack a little bit of guidelines in my practice, but you guys are more, it seems more kind of uniform. We've been pretty in, cohesive in about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything that you've kind of learned after training that's kind of helped you with these cases, whether it's been the ones that you select to go come down or are the ones or, or after post-management, anything else that you kind of recommend? I, th I think probably two things. Uh, one thing is the, t the tech setup, tech setup. So they've, mm. they've built 
might be a little funny. They build a moat around the patient. Ah, for the one. What I need? You're gonna have to submit <laughs> a picture of this at some point so we can put it on our website. What do you mean? I have a moat sometimes when we do like a pleurix catheter because that that ascites are effusions just are gonna jump at you. Is that what you mean? Like a little like towel? I don't know wall. Kind of, yeah. They take the blankets all the way around the patient. Okay. Like, you know, but just below the butt and then up to the shoulders. And they build like a capture for the blood. Because sometimes, wow. you know, if we get a crashing one, yeah. it was a huge yeah. mess. And yeah, this is one of the texts came up with this years ago, I guess. That's really, you got it. You got it. You have to share this. <laughs> I'll know, have to get it. Whether pair. it's on your, on your socials, on Twitter or something, obviously not with the patient there or yeah. something, but it, uh, that that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it can get messy, like a like a literally like a horror show, like especially yeah. You know, let GI blue, like lowers maybe it gets kind of hunted under the blue towel, but like an upper, and then they're like a horror show. It can be really really bad. Yeah, yeah. you know. One other interesting thing that happened one time is an accident. We were doing um, we were doing an upper GI bleed. It was like a fundal, it was a fundal. So it was like uh huh. You know, quick left gastric catheterization. You can see all the clips, and I I shot yeah. the pick. Everything spasmed. Couldn't get in. Oh, yeah. So you're just, everything's just spasm. It's all spasm. They're bleeding. But you can still see it going. You know, it's not occluded. Okay. Um, and then I, I thought I called out nitro. I was like, need a mil I need nitro. And But I think I said epi. They put epi <laughs> on the table in a syringe, and I assume it's nitro. And then I inject. Just You just slam it in, yeah. I slammed it right oh. in, and, and it goes. Nothing happened to the patient, but all the whole left gastric just occluded immediately wow and i looked at it and i was wow. like are we done did that is that you know because gi injects epi yeah yeah <laughs> no apparently that's how the, you know they would also treat gi bleeds in the past too they would drip vasopressin oh yeah yeah and like this is back in the day you know right. and they would just drip vasopressin in the sma or something i i, I don't know for like in the icu <laughs> that was one of the ways they would treat it so that's great. Right. And did the, did the bleed stop or did, did, did it come back? No, it stopped. I, well, it right. stopped, but, and you couldn't see any more active bleed, but I, you know, I, I had a little bit more vessel, so I just punched a uh, one coil into it and called it good and they never rebled. So, but that was, you know, yeah. that's a anecdote. Yeah. You know, the, speaking of the left gastric, I find that vessel, you know, you can do whatever you want to it. <laughs> you can, you can slam like, you can do particles there, right? I mean, that's what oh, they do yeah. for bariatric right. embel. You can throw gel foam. Like if you're suspecting a left gastric bleed, you can just like take out that vessel and there's like no, I don't know, for knock on wood, there's been no badness. I mean, you know, have you seen gut ischemia in any of your of your embolizations? I, I personally have not. It's just such a robust organ system, but have you had have you had any ischemia? I haven't. I've heard, you know, stories, but I haven't had any I haven't seen any. Actually. I mean, whether I, you know, whether you go really selective or, you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I remember one or two cases early in my career, I couldn't get into, and, and I had to embolize the marginal artery a little bit, and that still was okay. Oh, wow. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't know, but luckily, but I, it's just such a robustly collaterally flowed system that I, I don't understand why not ischemia, but it's great. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> helpful for us. Great. Well, you know, the one last question I got for you, Don, is, um, and this might not be just for GI bleeds, 
but as our listeners probably don't know that you have really damn good taste in music. So what is, you know, you're going in, you got, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're getting pumped up for an Angio, uh, whether it's GI bleed, what's your, what's your music choice to get you really in the zone? So I, I'm, I'm an EDM fan. And <laughs> so one of my techs has really fantastic taste in music. And if she's there, uh, she'll just do it. She'll just put it on and she has great taste and I just love it. But if not, I have a playlist that's like my go-to and it's, it just spans like everything in EDM that I've liked for the last 10 years. It's one list. It's it just goes yeah. on. It's so important. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I can't work without music, so I always have it on. And, and although some of my texts call my EDM Roomba music, it's, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's fun. I try to play the chill stuff, but yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, it's, it's great to talk about these bleeds i mean you know everyone coming out of training programs learns how to do you know how to approach these and and it's important for our, our listeners to know that there's a lot of ways to approach them um you know whether you coil whether you glue you know you're doing looks like you're doing all of them transradial which is awesome well i'll i'll, I'll caveat you know if they're if it's the crash if they're the crashing gi bleed i'll you're just going i'll go groin up. Just because it's yeah. easier for oh, the text to yeah. set up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. It's just a little, yeah. So, you know, and I think, I don't know what's on the frontier as far as GI bleeds. I'm sure GI, it would be really interesting to talk to them one day and see, you know, what is, what's new for them? I mean, you know, are they doing anything new or is that just kind of a, hey, this is, there, there's been no development. I don't know, but, you know, it's it's something that will stick with all of us, you know, it's, it's something that's a great way to help patients and, and really stop bleeds. It's pretty amazing when you see like a hypotensive crashing bleeder and boom, you embolize. And literally by the time they're getting out of the room, they're just, they're so, they've been stabilized. You know, it's, there's something, you know, great about that. It's so, it's funny because we, you know, we'll get the coils. You see the active bleed, you put the coils in and you occlude it. And you've, I'm sure you've seen it where it's just the tachy, the tachycardia stops. And it's like almost instant. It's so, it's like, it's deceiving how, how yeah. quickly it, it is. Yeah, it's pretty addictive. I mean, I think that's probably uh, something that when I saw it the first time, uh, probably in training, I was like, this is, this is really, I mean, that, that's probably, it, it draws me that one of my favorite things is to embolize an IR. I think if I'm not recanning a, a vessel, right. I, I, I just still love that little youthful part of just, Hey, I'm going to embolize this like a GDA embol. I'm like, ah, it's great. I'm just going to, you know, embolize this, like make it look nice, you know, go up to the origin. Just, I don't know. I just kind of have fun with it almost, you know, there's, you know, I just want to share one good case because it, it was just a, a, a dramatic. Yeah, yeah one. absolutely. So I'm, I think I'm at our smaller hospital and I'm doing some biopsy or something. And I get a call from the ER The the GI is in the ER with the scope in okay. And they're just, your GIs are they're great. so good in the ER <laughs> scoping. And he's just, he's got the scope Whew. aimed at the duodenum, uh, you know, at a duodenal ulcer. And he's just suctioning because there's so much profuse bleeding that it's like airway compromise. So he's just suctioning. And he said, well, I guess he told the ER doc, see if is available because I can keep doing this until they're out of blood. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, so. They, somebody grabbed me like they came, literally came over. I was doing a lung biopsy and I just like finished. And um, they're like, just come over. And I, I came over and I look on the screen and he's like, there's the ulcer. He points at it and he says, 
you know, how soon can we get you in or how soon can you get the patient in? And so we went like rapid fire. I, I just ran over to the cath lab. It was empty. It happened to be empty that, that minute. Perfect. Fake. Yeah. It's fake. So we just ran everything with the scope in, you know, he's with the scope and he, he kept okay. it in just suctioning at the ulcer. Uh, we get to the cath lab. The surgeon is right there as well. Cause he's ready to open. Whoa. And it's like all of us and we're all in there. We get him on the table, starts coding, like immediately starts coding. Of course. Of course. Of course. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's probably fine in the ER, you know, yeah. you know, suctioning units of yeah. blood. But then <laughs> So, and we've got like the whole, we've got, you know, three nurses or four nurses. We got an ER doc. We got surgeon. We got. This is the whole team. It's everybody. I mean, this is. So we're doing. We, we, I hurry up and just get access, you know, no imaging, just the old school at Betadine, just Betadine, no drapes, <laughs> nothing, no yeah. drapes. Oh, we're just like, okay, this is legit. I'm just like, we're going on sterile. Don't worry about anything. Yeah. <laughs> saving this person's <laughs> life right now. Yeah. I just, it, you know, these are the fun moments when you have a med student and they're like, I want to do IR now. Yeah. <laughs> so they're literally doing chest compressions. We get access. I, you know, I'm guys, are you cool? Just getting x-rayed. And they say, yes. Yeah. And we just shove the catheter up. We already know where it is. So I just shove it into the, into the GDA pretty much without mm -hmm. imaging, you know, just, just, it, just it caught it. I saw it go over. I'm like, I guess we're in, I inject a little bit of dye and you just see the, the, the waterfall. Of I'm blood. guessing there's like a co you use a cobra to go on yeah. the celiac. Yeah. I love it. Cause then it'll just go to that. Yeah. It <laughs> drops. Like, boom. <laughs> and then just yeah. drop the kitchen sink, every coil, boom, 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 boom. And it, yep. He suddenly got his rhythm all back. It was just wild. Dude. It was one of those. And at the end, there was blood all over the room. The whole room was full of blood. Uh, I see why the moats come into handy that's there. The now. Yeah. Oh, that's insane. So, I mean, yeah, I, I have to say that probably that adds so that's like, that's adrenaline mm -hmm. and having a good outcome, you know, it's just, it's, it's something that that's great. That's crazy story. And it was, you know, it's the visual we had general surgeon is on top of the patient doing compressions. GI still has the scope in while we're doing it. Like the whole thing, it was pretty wild. Yeah. I bet you made a lot of friends with different services that, that we did. it's like, oh man. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a total win for your service right there. Yeah. Great. I mean, what's up? I was just wondering, do you want to talk about, I mean, I know it's a whole other topic, but you know, you do that's the fine. triple phase. And then you see like there's varices and it's not arterial. That's a good one. You know, that's happened to it. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. And then that's something really important to mention. Yeah, we have to talk about that where not all bleeds are arterial. We've seen, and, and it's been weird. Sometimes it's not even like a typical cirrhotic or something. Yeah. It's like these weird, like jejunal varices or some, some nonsense, right? I, I don't know, like some, for some reason have this portosystemic shunt in a non-serotic, maybe they were born with it. How do you, what do you, uh, I'll tell you what we do once, I wanna know what you do for those. Uh, we've only had a couple, I can think of a handful, like five cases like that. We're probably the same, like a handful. Yeah. So we'll, what do you do? We'll see, uh, you know, luckily, you know, if you didn't do the imaging, you probably wouldn't know, right? I have one case where one of my s damn smart partners, none of us saw it, but then when you look back, you see it, it was like, you know, you'd carry out the run late, and oh, no way. And then he saw these varices on the, like, you know, on the late, I'm just looking for like the SMV, you know, and he saw these things in the corner and I'm like, holy shit. and he was totally right. <laughs> so those are mad props. Um, but yeah, if you don't that. do the imaging, 
aside from that case, you probably wouldn't know and call it negative. So what do you do? You go what do you go? Do you go direct portal and, and embolize them? Do you do a tips or what, what do you do? You know, I guess it depends on what you see. If it's a totally cirrhotic liver, I might go to tips. But it, uh-huh. I think these are usually like the surprise, right? Where it's like there's some weird shunt or some weird varices. Surprise. Yeah. So it may be fatty liver, but not quite cirrhotic. So in those, I'll just, yeah, I'll just stick direct portal and, and go embolize the varices directly. And then we'll, you know, we'll key them into follow up to see if they need, you know, portal hypertension treatment or something. More stuff. And, and aside from those varices, even so, you know, gastric varices, which is an, uh, an, an uh, upper oh, right. GI bleeding issue um, in Cirox, do you, are you a believer of tips? Are you a believer of some sort of retrograde obliteration or both? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, wasn't it Sabri that was on not that yeah. long ago? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the master and there's a few masters he's the out master. there. The master, yeah, exactly. But I do, you know, with the BRTO, you know, you have a bunch of gastric varices, they're actively bleeding. And, you know, you BRTO it in that situation and you do push out some blood, you know, invariably mm-hmm. they're going to pop. It's pretty pressurized. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I'm still, I guess I've done some BRTOs when they've bled recently, but I do expect that they're going to bleed. And so we're, you know, actively replacing fluids and blood. And and would you do a tips in those two? Or do you do you just see how the Birdo does or the the you know Birdo, Cardo, Pardo? Right. I think if they're isolated gastric, well we've generally gone to Birdo. Yeah. Same. In but if there's varices all over, then we'll we'll go to tips. As long as they're not like, you know, Meld twenty five. Yeah. I know. Or florid heart failure. Then you're kinda hosed. No, no, these are great points. I mean again, you know, GI bleeding can be venous and we, you know, as IRs, we need to be able to approach both of those. And, and, uh, and again, the imaging, the imaging can show all of that. So that's a really good advantage of having that triple phase CT to show you, you know, it might be a, you know, cirrhotic, hopefully they see that in their scope, um, but sometimes they may not. Right. Yeah. Those are big topics, you know, but we've talked about Birdo and stuff with, with others. I think that pretty much gets all of GI bleeding. I think, uh, you know, anyone who's listening to this, hopefully can just go out there and have, hopefully don't have a crazy case like you mentioned, but get some of those wins. They're, those are, those are, those are all just this. I think every IR has a story somewhat to that degree of, uh, about embolizing and just creating a win. Yeah. You know? Do you know, it's just a funny one. Uh, do you know the rule of twos? I learned this from GI. This sounds really familiar. What, it's the rule of twos. It's uh, too sick for me to scope <laughs> and too stable for me to scope. <laughs> call, call IR. That's the rule of twos. I like it. Isn't it? <laughs> you know, that's quite true. You know, <laughs> no, it does seem to give an awesome GI service and, and uh, it's, it's great and, and having that. So for our listeners, you know, if you have any questions about uh, GI bleeds or anything like that, you know, feel free to contact any one of us. Both of us are on socials on Twitter and we're, we're happy to talk about it. So yeah, Don, thanks for being here and, uh, thanks for your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So being great chatting with you. Yeah. We'll, we'll see each other soon. I'm sure. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. 
If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Don, Michael Barraza, Brian Hartley. Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon with support from Caleb Hodson and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz with support from Zubi Syed. Article and transcript support by Taylor Robinson and Delaney Aguilar. Social media and PR by Anne Dang and newsletter by Lauren Fang. Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.